You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 183 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Yeah, I muted my mic before we started, but it still does that every time. My computer's fired up, we're fired up, because there's a lot of things to talk about with Virginia Tech athletics, and especially Virginia Tech football. We're going to be spending a lot of our time talking about the class of 2022, specifically Four-star running back Ramon Brown committing to Virginia Tech last week. What that means for the class of 2022 and the momentum that Virginia Tech football has right now on the recruiting trail. Plus, we'll talk about Tyrese Radford entering the transfer portal. What that means for Virginia Tech men's basketball. Plus, many Hokie coaches received contract extensions last week. All that and more coming up. Episode 183 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we are so glad you could join us as we record on Monday morning, July 12th, our first show in the month of June. We have our normal crew, as always, today on the podcast set. To my left, the man... The myth, the legend. <laughs> Only soccer fans would get that reference. He is not our managing editor. He is our lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman. Across the way, the head head show, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Great to have all of you with us, especially for those that are watching live on YouTube. If you have a question for Will or Chris, we're going to have plenty of time to get to those at the end of the show. So drop those in the chat, and we'll get to those as soon as possible. And while you're writing those questions in the chat, well, there's three things that if you're watching live, you could really help Tech Sideline by doing right now. You can like, you can subscribe, and you can comment. In particular, comment on the archived version. So also a request for the comments. I, I appreciate people who chime in and say good show. But I know you find it interesting. So talk about the, the content that was actually in the show. Give us your opinion on things. Um, ask us follow-up questions. I do circle around to the YouTube comments and, uh, and answer them. You know, so, uh, so go beyond. We appreciate the kudos and the likes, but go beyond just just saying, hey, good show, and you know, ask us a question or comment on the content. And if there's anything that we missed, anything you want us to touch on the next podcast, drop that as well, and I'll make sure I add that to my notes for the next show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can go to southeastrtc.com today to find out how you can get involved with one of the premier wrestling programs in the entire country, Virginia Tech Wrestling. 
Yeah, that's only a couple of months away, the season starting for wrestling, and I'm fired up for that. Also, the thing they're promoting right now is their annual golf outing. I'm sorry I don't have the details in my head, um, but if you go to southeastrtc.com, I'm sure there's information about it there. It's a chance to golf with the coaches and the athletes, so it sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, great to have everybody with us as we record on Monday morning, July 12th. I want to welcome in our, let me make sure I get this right, lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman. How are you liking the new title change, Chris? It's good. i got to remember after this to go and change my Twitter header and all that stuff. It's, a, that it's officially been a week since David Cunningham has officially started as our managing editor. He's actually sitting just to my right here offset. So, Will, he's written two articles. How's it been having a third full-time TSL employee in the office? It was so sweet. Last Friday, I had something I needed to do, and Chris was like, the Q&A's done. So I was like, hey, David, can you go in and edit that and post it? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> then we're just getting started. Yeah, no doubt. And so it's a busy couple of weeks for you guys. you got the ACC kickoff coming next week, right? He'll go down with you too? Yes. Uh, the ACC kickoff is in Charlotte. I uh, don't remember the dates. Today's the 12th. Next Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, it's, 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 it's next Wednesday and Thursday is the bulk of it. We're going to be down there Wednesday, which is when they're going to do the coastal it's a two-day thing, and on Wednesday, they will interview coastal coaches and players and have a breakout session later, and then they'll do the Atlantic coaches and players on Thursday. We're not going to hang around for that. Um, the, so the cool thing about the ACC kickoff is so they, they have uh, each program takes the head coach and two players, and typically it's an offensive player and a defensive player, your leaders, blah, blah, blah. And so they go into the big ballroom where all the media is, and they go up there on the stage and they answer questions like that. That that setting doesn't really have a lot of value. Um, the cool stuff for us comes later when they do the breakout sessions, which means that they take the two football players and the coach into a room. They put each of them behind a table so they're hanging out, and the media can circulate around the room and ask the two football players and the coaches uh, questions and something we've talked about before is that Fuente is is much more relaxed and conversational in that breakout setting it begins with about three or four or five or more cameras tv cameras you know circled around the table kind of looming over him they don't hang around the whole time they eventually leave and it winds up being the beat writers just basically chatting with Fuente. So it, hmm. it's that's pretty good stuff. He's generally pretty relaxed at that. Yeah, like look, he's sitting down, and it yeah. makes all the difference in the world. Yep. So that's next week, the ACC uh, football kickoff week in Charlotte. And for those that want to consume that, I'm sure we'll have tweets at Tech Sideline and articles on TechSideline.com. Yeah, we're Chris and I are going, and we're taking David with us. So David will do the meat and potatoes work of reporting on what gets said and what happens. Our managing editor will plan all of that out. That's right. <laughs> I, I will Chris rejoices <laughs> with a big smile right I'll now. I'll ask him later how we're covering that. <laughs> well, I'm smiling right now because we have a lot of people watching the uh, the show live right now on YouTube. We have Caleb Fields chiming in that he is still watching live in Okinawa right now, That's right. Yeah. which is really neat. We've got a great show planned for today, and a little bit later we're going to talk a lot about Virginia Tech men's basketball. We'll talk about Mike Young getting a contract extension. We'll talk about the commitment of MJ Collins for basketball, the departure of Tyrese Radford into the transfer portal. We'll also talk about a lot of contract extensions given out last week for other Virginia Tech coaches. David had a great article on Tech Sideline last week, which I highly encourage everybody to go uh read about Virginia Tech finishing 32nd in the Director's Cup. We'll talk about what that means a little bit later. But we'll spend the bulk of the show here at the beginning talking about Virginia Tech football and the momentum that the Hokies have with the Class of 2022. 
And last week, the biggest commitment of the class of 2022, four-star running back from Manchester High School in Midlothian, Virginia, the number one player in the Richmond area, the number six player in the state of Virginia, Ramon Brown, committed to Virginia Tech. Chris, let me start with you because uh, Virginia Tech Twitter, I mean, as we like to talk about, the numbers were up for everybody last week. It was a very fun time to be on Twitter. This is a big-time commitment for the Hokies to get Ramon Brown. What does this mean for the Hokies getting a four-star from the Richmond area? Um, what does it mean for recruiting, and what do you like about Ramon Brown, the player? Well, you know, at worst, it's great for perception. Right. Um, at best, it's great for perception, and Tech gets a really good pl- a guy who turns out to be a really good player. Uh, from a rankings perspective, he's sort of on the same level as Dax Holyfield, Jaden Payute, and Trey Turner. Um, you're, you're talking about a guy who... You know, depending on the ranking system, I think 247 itself has him 209th in the country. ESPN has him 128th. Um, So very highly touted recruit with a big offer list. Uh, I think he's got very good speed. Uh, Very, very nice one-cut ability. Seems to have pretty good vision. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a really good pickup for Tech. He's a guy who kind of kept his recruitment quiet. Like, he would post a picture of, like, every official visit he took but like he wasn't out there doing a bunch of interviews and and saying i oh, heard my top 16 schools and everything like that you know uh so i didn't even realize like tech was a legit legit contender for him until he took his official visit which turned out to be his last official visit so that was like weekend of june 25th i don't think i realized tech was like a true legit contender for him until that monday which is basically, as far as I can tell, when he committed to Virginia Tech. I think he committed right at the end of his visit. Yeah, we were we were told that he had committed. That, and, and yes, and that was that was the day. Uh, one of uh, Dythorn, I think, went with the Razor Ramon tweet, and right, right, right. That, that's when the speculation started. And I don't, and I, I think I wrote an article that day about it. And, and I think, and correct me if I've got the sequence wrong here. Chris, but I, but I think that he said he was going to announce something like right after his tech visit. We, I, so I had heard, um, we were told that good news coming on Ramon Brown heading into not this past weekend, but the weekend before, as it turned out. And I actually put on the board, I, I said, I hear we're going to get more good news this weekend. Right. And I was alluding to Ramon Brown. Uh, turns out it was, uh, CJ Brown who committed uh cj brown cj who's the basketball player that committed oh uh mj collins mj collins, MJ collins. They're all, <laughs> the, the, so i'm gonna call him mj walker right you know for right. florida state cj brown all the i don't know mj it, collins yeah exactly i'm gonna get them all mixed up um as it turned out the the announcement that ramon brown was going to make was that you know he was going to announce his decision the next friday or whatever so i got i got that wrong a little bit but uh but the next piece of news yeah. he announced was his his top five i think i think it was i think it was true that he committed that weekend yes. or gave a very strong indication he was going to but you know kind of how it goes these days is they they go do commitment videos and things like that well and in this case set up a live uh commitment announcement on cbs sports right right so 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 he had a number of things he had to get lined up before he actually announced his commitment and and I, I'm not a big fan of commitment videos, you know. But but his was uh, it was a little different. It was well, I don't think I've ever seen one where 
they've interviewed like the dad, uh, the brother, right. the trainer, the like, so, uh, yeah, right. The certain people involved in his recruitment. Yeah, it was almost like 30 for 30 style, you know, yeah. where, where they had kind of uh, uh, little interview snippets and things like that. It was a lot less hype than it was kind of a production, I guess, right. if you want to put it that way. Well, I'm curious, four-star running back, you know, remember the first couple of years that Coach Fuente was here, and I felt like one of the, I'm not going to say knocks, but I feel like the fan base used to get on him early in his tenure about not having a running back get over that 1,000-yard mark. I believe right. the last one before Khalil Herbert was 2015 with Trayvon McMillan. Correct me if I'm That's wrong correct. for the program. Yep. So, Which was when Frank Beamer was coaching. Right. So the timing, having Ramon Brown commit the year after Khalil Herbert has the year that he just had, how much of an influence do you think that was in his decision in picking Virginia Tech? Uh, well, it certainly couldn't have hurt. Um, you know, I, I, and and I haven't read or heard any interviews with Ramon where he he talked about if that was a factor or not. Uh, can't hurt. I'm I'm one of those guys that I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I know these these kids all want to make the NFL. That's that's their that's their ultimate goal. But I think a lot of them, like, so I think fans think that the win-loss record matters a lot. Uh, particular games matter a lot. The depth chart at a certain position. Okay. I just he, know, me- he mentioned yeah. the running back room, uh, right. which on paper looks like it's a whole lot of players, but I'm pretty sure he was told, yeah, half those dudes aren't going to be on the roster next year because there's going to be attrition. There has to be to get to the 85. Right. Minute. Yeah. So so part of it is a depth chart, but but a lot of it is how do you connect with that kid, you know, are you selling him on the academic vision? What does he think of your facilities? How does he picture his everyday life at that school? Uh, so I don't know where Khalil Herbert's performance and the reassurance that, yes, you can you can run for a lot of yards here and get a lot of carries. As Chris has said many times, if Herbert didn't miss the Liberty game, yes. he would have been about 15th in the country in number of carries. Yeah. So he was getting – sometimes you look at individual games and you're like, why didn't Khalil get the ball? Right, but, <clears throat> like but, the end of the Miami game, cough. Right, uh, well, probably then because remember he had missed the week before, so he still wasn't one hundred. Yeah, that's true. That's you know? true. Yeah. Um, but so I don't know how much of a factor that was in Ramon's decision. Couldn't have hurt though. Yeah, um, I think there are so many different things that Virginia Tech has an advantage in right now that they didn't have last year. And in a way, I kind of think COVID was beneficial to Virginia Tech recruiting because nobody could visit last summer. And now they visit this summer, and all of a sudden, Virginia Tech has all these brand-new facilities. Like if Ramon Brown had visited last summer and the Student Athlete Performance Center wasn't there, the new weight room wasn't there, uh, the construction on the new players' lounge hadn't started, uh, the the, the dorm, which is finished now, is just – early in its construction phases then uh there was nothing tangible to see uh and and if he had visited last summer and then gone and visited penn state the next week you know that's advantage penn state but now virginia Tech's facilities in the last since then have improved tremendously uh and i'm you know i'm not saying they're the university of florida with an outdoor swimming pool or you know, lazy rivers or miniature golf courses and everything like that. But, but facilities are no longer a reason to not pick Virginia Tech. So that has improved over the last year. You throw in the fact that this past season, Kahlua Herbert rushed for over 1,100 yards and got drafted, which makes, you know, Tech a more attractive option for a running back. And then I think, quite frankly, Virginia Tech's two best recruiters were the lead recruiters on Ramon right. Brown. Uh, Ryan Smith is the Richmond area recruiter, and then Adam Lechtenberg is the running back's coach. Uh, 
I think all those things combined together. Like, I don't know if this decision would have been made a year ago. Tech did have Ryan Smith and Adam Lechterberg a year ago, but they would not have, because of COVID, they wouldn't have been allowed to meet him in person and everything like that. And even if he had taken a visit, those facilities weren't there. There was no evidence that Tech could produce a thousand-yard rusher and get the guy drafted. So Tech had one of the three key things in place last summer, but not all three. Um, so I think the timing on, on everything, the facilities opening was good. Um, and I hear nothing but good things about Ryan Smith and Adam Lechtenberg as a recruiter. Uh, you know, somebody I know who used to work in the tech program, uh, told me last week, he said, Ryan Smith is the best recruiter at Virginia tech in years. And, uh, he's, he's basically like tap would have had the same effect too, but tap was limited because of COVID and he couldn't right, get out. Right. You know, so basically I interpret that to probably mean Ryan Smith is Virginia tech's best recruiter since Jim Cavanaugh or Brian Steinspring, no matter how you want to you know, <clears throat> right. slice that. Yeah. And we're talking about Ramon Brown committing to Virginia Tech, a four-star running back, class of 2022 from Midlothian, Virginia. Here was his offer list, by the way, his Power 5 scholarship offers. South Carolina, Maryland, West Virginia, Kentucky, Michigan, Michigan State, North Carolina, Rutgers, Virginia, and Wake Forest. Uh, he ran for 871 yards, 14 touchdowns, and the abbreviated high school season in the spring of 2021. I want to emphasize Abbreviated because I think in a normal year he's well over the uh, the century. Well, mark. yeah, their their season got sh- cut short due to COVID. They were in the playoffs, and bam, COVID hit, and they had to they were out of the playoffs. No, couldn't the even play anymore. Yeah, so yeah, yeah you're, you're looking at a guy who was going to be a thousand yard rusher and even an abbreviated season. Mm-hmm. So, so one thing that you just mentioned, and I want to go on this tangent because you wrote an article that's on TechSideline.com. I highly encourage everybody to go read it, and that is the momentum that Virginia Tech has right now in recruiting. And you just touched on a little bit, the facilities, the recruiters, um, and Ryan Smith, Adam Lechtenberg, just to name a couple of them. But you mentioned the phrase a couple of minutes ago. You said that facilities are not the reason that student-athletes aren't picking Virginia Tech right now. Right, and, and they were a reason before. They definitely were. And I want to go back to when Justin Fuente was – in talks, whatever you want to say about Baylor and that situation. And Chris wrote that article that you felt was one of the most impactful articles you'd ever written at Tech Sideline, if I remember correctly, the shot across the bow. Mm-hmm. That was that would have been what? January of 2020. 2020? It is Monday, July 12th, 2021. So you're saying in the next in the last year and a half essentially, how far has Virginia Tech come in that department to Put them where they are right now compared to where they were in January of 20. Ultimately, I think the most important part of a program or, or, or important parts of a program are the infrastructure and the fans. You know, head coaches come and go, players come and go, assistant coaches come and go. But uh, that infrastructure and the fan base will always be there. And I think Virginia Tech's infrastructure has come a long, long way since, since then. Uh, obviously, the student-athlete performance center was already in the works before then. That was that was announced a couple of years even before then uh not sure the timetable on the weight room or or everything like that but i do know you know tech's recruiting staff is a little bigger now ever since then mm-hmm. uh so yeah i i do think some of the stuff was in the planning stages even before he flirted with baylor um i do but for some other things i do think that accelerated the timeline and built awareness uh, amongst you know the fans that really pay close attention, and maybe even some of the administration of where of of the areas in which Virginia Tech was lacking, and I do think they've made up some serious ground in that last year and a half. So stuff that I wish 
wish we could start the I wish we could go back to 2016 and accelerate the timeline even more yeah, so so let's let's talk about the timing on the facilities here for a second. If if you go back to two thousand five when Virginia Tech opened the expanded west side of uh, Lane Stadium, at that point in time, Virginia Tech's facilities were right up there with the best in the country. The Merriman Center was only seven years old. Lane Stadium had been uh, expanded in two thousand two with the South End Zone, two thousand five with the West Side. Um, and and they, they had a vision for an indoor facility at that point in time. But they, they had just they'd done so much between 1998 and 2005, they had completely transformed the physical infrastructure of Virginia Tech football. And then they, then they got to work on the, uh, the indoor practice facility. And as we all know, that got slowed down by the Stadium Woods issue. Slowed down by almost a decade. And essentially, from 2005 until very recently, Virginia Tech's facilities, with the exception of the the indoor facility, so 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 much happened in seven years, and then only one thing happened in close to 15 years. And that one thing was delayed by almost 10 years. Yes, right. And and so, um, and the the thing that started happening at that point in time was you go back to 2005, and you didn't have the SEC network, you didn't have the Big Ten network, and and the the money disparity was there but it wasn't so enormous and basically from the late late 2000s 2010 onward some of the better more well-funded programs in the country started doing tremendous things with facilities and Virginia Tech didn't and then when when Whit Babcock starts in 2014 and Frank retires after 2015 I went back and looked at this stuff and I'm sorry I don't have the exact dates in my head right now because it's been a couple of weeks since I did this if you go back and you look at the announcement of the Student Athlete Performance Center, it was close to four years ago that they got the big donation and said they were going to build it. Mm-hmm. Same with the expanded Merriam and White Room. They got a $5 million donation and said they were going to do it. And right around like early 2018, they announced that. And the very first press release, I believe, for the Student Athlete Performance Center, Center said it was going to be, came in 2017, said it was going to be done by the fall of 2019. Right. That didn't happen. Both projects were somewhat late to begin with, and then they took three or four years from for whatever from reason. An, like the if the student athlete performance center, if they wanted it to be done in twenty nineteen, yeah, uh, they were, by the time the season started, then it was a year and a half. A later. year and a half later, right? And, so and, I don't know. We don't know what the holdup was there. Yeah, we we've, we've never had a chance to ask Wit about that and drill into that time uh, issue. And and the last thing about that is. Mac Brown rolls into North Carolina, says, I want this, this, and this, and boom, 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 it happens right away. Oh, yeah, one of their, uh, like, you know, they got two outdoor practice fields, right? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes we play opponents who play on field turf, so I want one of my uh, one of my practice fields to be field turf. And also I want uh, the football stadium to have field turf because the lacrosse team plays in there and they're tearing up the grass. And boom, boom, yes, sir, Mac Brown. Stuff happens you know? right away, you know, whereas, yeah. whereas at Virginia Tech it was announced – it's almost like Virginia Tech, they had things going at a good jog, and UNC went sprinting by. Oh, Mac Brown's back, so let's make it where out-of-state students count towards in-state scholarship costs. Like, literally, as soon as he came back, I assume he asked for that, and the state of North Carolina legislature said, yes, Mr. Brown, we will do whatever you say. I know. And that doesn't work that way in the state of Virginia. So, um, any, anyway, let's anyway. So let's uh, let's recap this whole discussion real quick. Go ahead and uh, bullet points here. So. Virginia Tech class of 2022. It's a highlight right now. They're not done yet. We're going to talk about more recruits than Ramon Brown in just a moment. But 
Fill in the blank form here, Will and Chris. Virginia Tech recruiting the class of 2022 is better because of blank. Whew, oh, Every, gosh. Everything. Okay. Everything we just talked about. I'll, 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 I'll yep. break it down very, very simply. In 1998, Virginia Tech signed a great, great class, particularly in state. You know, top 10 players in the state like Michael Vick. Michael Vick, Lee Suggs, and Jake House. Right? And Ronyel Whitaker were They're all Ronyel top Whitaker. 10 in the state. And that coincided with the same year that the Merriman Center was built. The brand, the newest, most modern facility in college football at the time. Yeah. Combine that with the fact that Tech had just hired Jim Cavanaugh, their ace recruiter. He, had, he was hired in late 1996, late, late, so right. he had been recruiting for a year. Right, right, you're right. He had been recruiting for a year. Uh, he, he, he was the name, he was the guy that brought Michael Vick to the attention of the Virginia Tech coaching staff, right? So they hire their best recruiter and they accompany it with brand new facilities and bam, they signed what at the time was the best class in school history. And now, I mean, I'm not saying we're about to embark on the golden age of Virginia Tech football again, but for Justin Fuente just upgraded his coaching staff at the end of 2019 from a recruiting perspective, and those guys are now being accompanied by improved facilities, and bam, we are now seeing improved recruiting. Yeah. So the math adds up. Like Sometimes it can be tough to figure out recruiting, but – Sometimes it's it's sometimes it's two plus two, man. It's really easy. And, and so these projects have been in the works, but everybody's got pictures. To have the actual facilities is more impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the webmaster Damian Salas chiming in. By the way, the football locker room, players' lounge building opened November 2010. So just kind of the timeline of two of some. Wow. So some, the locker room's been that long ago. Yeah. And I, I, what I remember about that locker room was. Uh, for a time, maybe for like six months, Virginia Tech had the biggest lockers in the country. Like they asked, they asked Frank, or Frank asked the builders, uh, "Who's got the widest? Who's got, who's who's got, got the, the widest locker? locker?" It was Texas at the time, or something like that. And uh, Frank said, "Okay, build ours a half an inch wide." Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so since then, it's no longer just the size of your locker and whether or not your name's up above it. Right. It's you've seen oh, the crazy oh, stuff. I mean, you got you got like. Small Pods. HDTVs up there, <laughs> Lazy Boys. I mean, it's just air it's conditioned yeah. stink removal pods. It's got you know, it's gotten pretty nuts since yeah. then. Um, all right, let's uh, let's uh, let me read the comment section real quick here because before we move on from Ramon Brown, it's worth pointing out that somebody in the comment section. Let me find it here. Uh, Errol Doss, who says he um, typically watches the archive but he's watching live for the first time so welcome uh he says um mr brown's recruitment video was slick professional looking if he or someone he knows did the video the person is good well two comments later tyson visuals says i did his video he's an amazing young man with an amazing family was an honor to have the opportunity to create something special he's very excited to head to blacksburg so how about that? Yeah, we've got uh, uh, Tyson Visuals watching right now. Who I, did the video? I referenced Tyson Visuals in a tweet the other day. But I don't think they have a Twitter account. If they do, it was under something I couldn't find. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it was uh, it, it was well done. Was so well good done. to hear they're they're watching. So continuing to talk about the positive momentum that is going on with the class of 2022 for Virginia Tech football. The headliner is Ramon Brown, but there are still a lot of of, of key additions that have happened over the last two weeks. So. We're going to play a game of rapid fire with Willa Chris. I'm going to give a player. So wait a minute. Can I do the, remember I wanted to do all these numbers? Yes, I forgot about that. Let's keep going big picture, Will, and talk all about right. kind of different classes that Justin Fuente has signed. So the, the question is, so there's all these commitments coming in, and you get a commitment from a four-star in-state tailback. So certainly there's a lot of hoopla around recruiting right now. The question is, is it really better? And what does better mean? So the only way you can 
answer those. You can answer that question two ways. Wait four years and see what happens. Or you can you can use <laughs> rankings. You can use the rating system from 24-7 sports to, to, to answer the question. And that's what I did. Now, a bit of a tangent first. Chris and I are starting to develop an opinion that if, if you go to 247sports.com and you start looking at rankings, if you start looking at player rankings or team rankings, it's all based on their composite ranking system which is their in-house rankings plus we don't know what. I assume ESPN and Rivals. Right. Right. So it, it, when, when, when 24-7 first came on the scene, that was kind of a, a – I, I, I was impressed with that. That's mm-hmm. a good way to acknowledge that there are other services. Let's kind of all mash them together. Right. I think 24-7's gotten to the point where they need to shed that composite stuff and start going with confidence with their own with, the, rankings. with their own rankings. I agree. Like I think ESPN does a great job uh, ranking the top recruits, yeah. but they don't have the depth to rank. You know, fifteen evaluate fifteen hundred to three thousand players. Uh, and also the problem with ESPN is like they do their rankings once a year, and then they don't update them after the guy's senior season. Yeah. So like Bryson Jennings is like a 78 by ESPN and will probably remain that way, even though I think he will move up in the two, four, seven rankings itself. Yeah. Um, so r- r- ESPN you know, drags down the composite for Bryson Jennings. Right. Uh, and a guy like, well, let, let's talk about rivals. I, I think rivals is not as well staffed as they used to be. I think uh two, four, seven took a lot of their talent. Rivals even got catfished a couple of years ago by some guy who just made up an account and started, uh, saying this guy's got offers from Alabama, Auburn, blah, 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 and then he shows up on Rivals as a four-star recruit. The guy didn't even exist. Right. So that invalidates Rivals to a certain extent to me. Um, so I, I, I'm, I've, I've started to – I think those two different rankings, the fact that 247 uses their own rankings and then the composite, I think it just confuses people. Um, so I've started to move, just start flat out using the two, four, seven rankings yeah. for the most part. So, so be aware. So one of the things I do is, um, if, if you, if you go and look like, like, let's say you pull up the list of in-state, uh, um, recruits for Virginia and you look up in the URL and it says composite player ranking dot ASPX. I think it is. I think it's active server pages by Microsoft or something like that. composite player ranking go into the web address and get rid of the word composite mm-hmm. and it will load there's other ways you can get to it yeah but it will load 247's in-house rankings right you know so anyway all, all, all of that said I just wanted to throw that editorial piece in there that's my piece of advice to 24-7 ditch it man just go with your own stuff yeah I agree like so you're about to go over these these rankings, like, and so the numbers I'm about to talk about are the composite the composite rankings. rankings. Right. Like, like so you've got right, right, like right now, according to the composite rankings, Ramon Brown is Tech's only four star recruit. Right. Although it's weird, like two of the three recruiting services have Xavier Simmons as a four star right. recruit, but for whatever reason, Rivals doesn't. So it means he's not a four star by the composite. Yeah. So like. Xavier Simmons is 190th in the country, a solid four star. Yeah. Uh, actually higher ranked than Ramon Brown by right. 247 itself right. and even a four star by ESPN but for rivals but in to, the composite right. he is a, he's still a three he's star still a three star so um and and you can debate uh i always say that that the ranking of an individual player to a large extent doesn't matter you know Christian Darrisaw uh, right. 
Dorian Strong, Cam Chancellor. Play, you, know, yeah, you can always yeah. throw guys like that out. But but in the aggregate, when you're talking mm-hmm. large number of recruits and you're specifically accumulating data across over time over a number yeah. of years, then the rankings do say a lot. So I preface all that. So so let's. The question was asked: Is Virginia Tech's football recruiting really getting better? Mm-hmm. And so let me answer that question. So this is this is six. This is the sixth recruiting class now for Justin Fuente. I don't count 2016 because he had just come on board. He threw a few guys in. He was keeping Frank's guys. So his classes really start with 2017, okay? Right. And so there's a couple things. There's several things you can look at, and this is all composite stuff. What's the national ranking of Virginia Tech's recruiting class, which is affected by number of recruits? What is the average player ranking of Virginia Tech's Recruiting class. Average player ranking, meaning 247, they have a numerical system between yeah. like 80 and 100 to, yeah. to rate recruits. Yes. Um, where did uh, um, Virginia Tech rank in the ACC? And how many four stars did they sign or get commitments from? And these, these, this is what I looked at. So, so if you look at Fuente's first three classes, 2017, 2018, and 2019, Virginia Tech signed 26, 26, and 24 players. And the, the classes were nationally ranked 26, 24, and 26. He signed five four-stars, seven four-stars, and seven four-stars. And this was all basically Virginia Tech's historic level of recruiting under Frank Beamer. It's what they were doing. They were, they were mid-20s. They were bringing in five to eight four-stars in, in a given year. So the first three years, Fuente kind of kept it there. And then in 2020, the bottom dropped out. Um, number one, they only signed 16 players, so that dragged down their national ranking. So let me back up a little bit and give you the average player ranking of 2017, 2018, and 2019. 86.13, 87.46, 87.39. In the 86 and 87 range, you get to the 2020 class, fewer commits, which affects the national ranking, the average player rank was 84.98. So it went from the 86-87 range to 85. Now you sit there and say, well, that's not that big a difference. It actually is in, in, in recruiting. The way their numerical yeah. system is set up, there's a big difference between an average player ranking of 87.5 and, and 85. You're talking about low three stars. That's the to... difference between having seven four stars and having one, which mm. is what they had in 2020. They only signed one four-star in 2020, and that was Alec Bryant. And a lot, and a lot of their three stars were low three stars instead of high three stars. And, and Alec Bryant himself was a low four. Star. Low four. Yeah, right. he, he he was under a 90, and a lot of four stars are, are well above 90. So that wound up in a national ranking of number 76, 14th dead last in the ACC. And it didn't get better in 2021. They signed 28 players, almost twice as many. The average rank of the players went from 84.98 to 85.12, still significantly below the 86 and 87 that they started out with. One four-star, 10th-rated class in the ACC, 43rd-rated class nationally. And the only reason it was the 43rd-ranked class nationally was they signed 28, 28 kids. Yeah. They cranked it up with the numbers. So that's that's the landscape the first five years. Real quick, Wayne Kent's chiming in. Uh, he believes that a lot of four stars in 2020 decommitted. Was that the class with Demetrius Davis, the, uh, yeah. the receiver whose name is uh, Demetrius. 
Davis was 2021. 2021, because we replaced right. him with Taj Bullock. D- Davis would have enrolled this summer. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's an interrupt train of thought. I think right. I think that's right. All right, so that's, so that's kind of your landscape. So now let's look at the 2022 class, which is it has 18 commitments, which is way up there nationally. I don't know where, but it's probably top 10. Yeah. So Virginia Tech's getting a lot of commitments. Um, the average rank of the player, and yes, let's go on a little bit of a tangent. These kids haven't been to camps. If there was a, a year where the ranking really didn't mean much, it's this year. Mm-hmm. But let's go down there. They're yet path to be completed. Let's right. let's do it anyway. The average rank is an eighty six point two three, which is kind of back up to where he had him in 2017, 2018, 2019. It's actually higher than his first full class, which was an eighty six point one three, which which featured highly touted recruits like Devin Hunter, Nathan Proctor, Garbutt, Rivers, yeah, Hooker. Those were the four star guys tech yeah. signed that year. Yeah, so so eighteen commitments, eighty six point two three, it's ranked fifteenth nationally. Mm-hmm. Thanks to the number and it's actually by twenty four seven's proprietary system, it's ranked twelfth nationally. Right. Um third in the ACC. Now the caveat is amongst those 18 commits they've only got one four star. Right. Mm-hmm. So so which is interesting like so the 2017 class they had five four stars but their average uh, average numerical rank for each recruit was slightly lower than this yeah. year's. So that means this year their three star recruits are higher ranked than like their three star recruits were in 2017. And Xavier so. Simmons is a classic example. Yes. He's a very high high three star. Yeah. So so the the three stars they're getting are are further up on the curve and higher rated. Um, so, yes, recruiting has gotten better. Is it Fuente's best class ever or historic levels? No, it's not. It's 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 where I it is my opinion. It's right about where Virginia Tech should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a, a a good recruiting staff, better than they used to be. Are they a great recruiting staff? No, I don't think so. I think it's the best he's had since he's yes. been at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Real quick, to play a hypothetical, if Gunnar Givens, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, were to commit to Virginia Tech, he's the highly touted four-star offensive lineman from is it Lord Bodaton? Yeah. Yes. If he were to commit, given this class – nationally where would this class of 2022 rank if givens were to commit to tech so i actually went through the what's it called the class calculator yeah 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 i did, I did the class calculator and, and, I and this is assuming gunner. nobody else anywhere in the entire country gets a commit gets for the anybody, rest of the week right yeah right. <laughs> so if you just add gunner givens to the class i think it moves tech up from 15th to either 14th 13th 12th you in know, the country in the country yeah and yeah. acc that's got to be uh, well, we're third think, right now. Well, third so. right now, yeah. So, and, and Boston College has 22 commits. And, oh, by the way, Boston College has three four-stars in their 22 commits. They're the number two class in the ACC right now because yeah. of the number and the quality. And Florida State's number one. So, But j- just adding Gunnar Givens doesn't catch Virginia Tech up to BC and Florida no, State. No, what will help is, you know, Tech has five or six guys left on their boards. And all of those guys' numerical rankings are higher than Tech's current average of all their commits. Yeah. Like, uh, Tech's current average right now is 86.23. Gunnar Givens is a 94.66. Cam Miller is a 90.16. I think Bryson Jennings is a is an 89. Yeah. So, uh, Cam Johnson, I think, is an 88. Corbin Page is an 88 or an 89. So, if Tech gets commitments from some of these guys it's going to raise their average recruit yeah. rating yeah um so which you know i could see at the end of this class you know tech having an average recruit ranking of above an 87 
which would be in line with their 2018 and 2019 classes. Uh, you know, some of the current commits, like like Tucker Holloway, like they don't know how to rank Tucker Holloway right now. He's from North Carolina, but played football last year for a private school in North Georgia and commuted an hour. So he's he's listed as the number 100 recruit in North Carolina because he never played wide receiver until this past year. So he never went to camps as a wide receiver until this summer, right? So the recruiting services are one year behind on evaluating Holloway. And he's not going to stay the 100th ranked player in North Carolina. He's going to be top 30. By the right. way. He's an 84 on that scale now. He'll probably end up an 87, something like that. Um, so these rankings are yet to be complete. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. Um, no, go ahead. Just the, the highest-rated recruits. You know, it's interesting. I mean, so Devin Hunter technically is the highest-rated recruit in the Fuente era. Yep. That puts Ramon Brown as the what, number six, number six highest-rated yeah. Fuente recruit. You look at that list: Devin Hunter, Doug Nestor, Dax Hollyfield, Jordan Payute, Jaden Payute. I always do that. Trey Turner, Ramon Brown, Nathan Proctor. So that's that list. And then I, I kind of want to dive into Will, if we can transition just to the. Uh, the top five, top fifteen Virginians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it does feel like with Ryan Smith, who has a Virginia background, that there does seem to be an emphasis being placed on the state of Virginia. He's so doing a great job in Richmond. If they can close it out with uh, Bryson Jennings in Richmond, yeah, that's kind of a clean sweep from their main guys from Richmond this year. That that would be awesome. So let's let's talk about uh, top fifteen recruits in the state of Virginia during the Fuente era. And I kind of. Uh, I, I I put them in the top 15 if they were either composite or 24-7's internal system. So I think you left one off for 2017. Garbutt should be on here, too. Garbutt was a four-star top 10 recruit in this state. Was it really? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so in 2017, I've got uh, – so Devin Hunter was a 97.99. He's the highest rated recruit of, of the of the Fuente area. He would be a 4.5-star recruit. Yeah, in, yeah, in, in my parlance of it. Yeah. So he was number two in the state, and we'll just use composite rank. He's number two in the state. Dylan Rivers was number eight. Interesting thing is the neither one of those guys has had a significant impact on the field. Of and, course, Dylan Rivers never will. And and, and Garbutt, Garbutt should be in you, in 2017? 2017 okay. class. Yeah, right. Um, so in 2018, your top 15 guys were James Mitchell, who was number seven, Armani Chapman, who was number ten. Keyshawn Artis, who was number 11, and Cole Beck, who was 16 in the composite, but 13 in the 24-7 system. So James Mitchell, big impact. Armani Chapman, you know, impact. Uh, Keyshawn Artis, let's talk about Keyshawn Artis for a second. This is a guy that signed in 2018. Seems like he's been here forever. Has been here forever and hasn't. Did Artis ever enter the transfer portal? No. No, so I'm probably getting him confused with Rico Kearney. But Artis is still here. Yeah. He's he's still committed to the program. He still works hard. His he's, mom is on he's Twitter. He's absolutely one of the hardest working guys over there. I yeah. mean, all you have to do is look at him and tell it. I mean, he's he's your one of your hard hat winners every year. That that's a guy I'm totally rooting for to just have a big impact on the field one day. And and then of course Cole Beck, who has since moved on the track. So twenty nineteen. Uh, Jaden Payute was number four, composite in the state, number two by 24-7. And that's all, I think you guys would agree, that's all on potential. Athleticism and what he showed in camps, not yes. what he actually did on the field. He, he was playing he, a lot of quarterback. Real late bloomer came on really strong, really late. And he's one of the guys that he's ranked high by 247. Uh, 
but it, it doesn't look like he has a great offer list. But some of these guys, like that, they don't report offers if they're not interested in them. Some of them, like like I always heard, Payute added late offers from like Penn State and Ohio State, but they don't show up on his two four seven profile because when he got those calls, he was just like, "Yeah, I'm going to Tech. I'm, I'm going interested. to Tech." Yeah. Right. So he never put him on Twitter. So they didn't. Yeah. So the other guy in 2019 was Tavion Robinson. He was number 11 in the state. Um, 2020, Lakeem Rudolph was number 23 in the composite, number 14 in, in 247. And that's when the – I would say in 20 – it maybe in 2019, but really in 2020 was when the narrative that Fuente can't recruit worth beans in the state really started. Cause yeah, absolutely. He, he yeah. got basically nobody in 2020. Yeah. He got Lakeem Rudolph who – who looks promising so far in 2021 uh jalen is that stroman's first name yep jalen stroman was borderline top 15 number 16 composite number 14 and in time we're going to uh determine that that is a extremely low ranking yes because he's going to be really good keely lawson was number 10 by 24 7's proprietary rankings and jalen jones was number 15 so again virginia tech shut out shut out of the top 10 almost out of the top 15 interesting that lawson ended up number 10 by the yeah. 247 right yeah and he's actually going to play wide receiver apparently anyway so let's bring this forward to 2022 where you've already got ramon brown at number eight slash nine you got a good shot at bryson jennings who's 13 14 in the state and he'll move up in my opinion yep and rashad purnell who's 16 13 in the state and then there's Gunnar Givens, who is number four in the composite and number three in 24-7's proprietary rankings. So this, this is really turning around in the, in the right direction. Is this unprecedented? No. Is it where Virginia Tech should be recruiting, particularly at this point in time? Yes. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Yeah. Um, I, I think I really like what they're doing on the defensive line in the state of Virginia this year. Yeah. You know, we're talk, like Gunnar, Gunnar Givens apparently wants to play defensive line. So like so right now like I'm I'm debating on like going into our database and just changing him to a defensive lineman. I mean, you know all these guys go on their visits and they pose for pictures for Twitter and social media and everything. When he did that at Tech, he wore the number 8, which shows he's not thinking about I'm going to be number 77 offensive guard at Virginia Tech. So I'm going to be one of those single digit defensive tackles is what he's thinking about. And that's one of the reasons I think he dropped in the rankings a little bit uh is because, you know, when he started camping and like like Clemson backed off of him right well I think they backed off of him because he wants to play defensive line and Clemson can be really selective yeah you know so uh like Givens let's say he's a defensive lineman you got Givens from the state of Virginia committed uh you got Purnell from the state of Virginia committed you got Law you got Moiston all from the state of Virginia you could add Jennings from the state of Virginia as a commit so this is uh this is turning out uh, pretty good in state, obviously. Right. And I think Ryan, Ryan Smith has had – I think Daryl Tapp laid the, laid the foundation for some of it, but I think Ryan Smith has had a big, big impact in, in the state of Virginia. I, I, the tech staff feels good about Jennings right now. Right. And, dude, Jenny, Jennings should end up a four-star player. This guy is 6'6", 240 pounds, and he can run. And he's a perfect fit for, fit for tech scheme. And, all right, so if Garbutt, I, I think Taiwan Garbutt's a good football player, but Taiwan Ty, Garbutt is 6'1", 240 pounds. If he was a four-star recruit, Bryson Jennings should be a four-star mm-hmm. recruit. No question, because Jennings is bigger and more athletic. Yep. 
Yeah. Real quick, uh, David Cunningham is passing me his phone. I feel like I'm holding like Adam Schefter's phone right now. Um, this is the 247 Sports Class of 2022 Virginia in-state top 10. Right. So Zach Rice is the only five-star. Mm-hmm. He's uncommitted. Sean Murphy, four-star from Manassas, uncommitted. George Petaway, uh, 100% committed North Carolina. Now, wait a minute. I think that's 100% projection. Projection. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, that's a good call. Gunnar Givens is at number four. He is Crystal Ball, Virginia Tech. Yes. Right. He commits later this week, correct? Friday is his announcement. And that's the 16th? 16th. Andre Green from St. Christopher's in Richmond is undecided. They've got Tavon Holloway at number six. Uh, that does not have 100%, so I assume that means they're committed. North Carolina commit, as well as Tyshawn Chapman, number seven, North Carolina commit. Ramon Brown, number eight, Virginia Tech. Tevin White committed to Arizona State from North Stafford. Uh, that's a four-star. And then Sherrod Koval going to Clemson, who's a four-star. So, so that's the, the top the, ten. the UNC and Clemson commits are all, I believe, 757 guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so well, look, as long as UNC has Dre Bly on the staff, it's going to be tough going for the top ten players from the 757. It, it, Yes, it's it, it, it's a relatively short drive from the seven five seven to Chapel Hill. Oh, it's closer to Blacksburg than yeah. Blacksburg. Yeah. All right, one more point I want to make to Gunnar Givens. A ninety four point six is his overall rating. You listed that at the bottom there. Well, if he were to commit to Tech, that would bump him ahead of Ramon Brown for number six as the biggest Fuente recruit. Oh, he'd actually be number three behind Devin Hunter and Doug Nestor if you look at the bulleted list. Oh yeah. Whatever. Yep. I was looking at the uh, after the decimal there. Come on, Evan. Look and, at the big and, numbers. And, yeah, yeah, number three, you, even better. So if you think about these these top seven recruits of the Fuente era in terms of, of numerical ranking, Devin Hunter, Doug Nestor, Dax Holyfield, Jaden Payute, Trey Turner, Ramon Brown, Nathan Proctor. With the exception of Proctor, I, I would I, I would say that like the physical ability for each one of these guys is undeniable, right? Proctor was just a miss by everybody. A bunch of schools offer him, offered him. He now plays for Duquesne. Uh, he was a pretty good athlete, but just not an aggressive, tough football. Not, not a football Not player. a physical, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But these other guys, like Devin Hunter, I don't know how Devin Hunter's career will end up, but you can – you can see the physical talent on that guy and why he was rated the way he was rated. Uh, I don't want to talk about Doug Nestor, uh, <laughs> Payute, Trey Turner. I mean, y- you you could see the physical talent on these guys and understand why they were rated the way they were rated. Uh, so if Tech gets Gunnar Givens, 94.66, third on this list, maybe Gunnar Givens will work out. Maybe he won't. You never truly know. But – all you have to do is look at that he guy, and you part. can see why he's 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 ranked. I mean, he's kind of like Nestor, who I don't want to talk about, but <laughs> you don't see linemen that age generally with like defined muscles in their arms. Right. It's it's like he's got he can grow a full. He looks like he's twenty five years old, basically. Givens, he, yeah, about. Givens. I mean, he is a physical specimen. Chris Coleman is going to be in so much pain that West when, Virginia when Givens game. flexes, he's got triceps. Yes, and not a lot of those big high schooler kids have triceps. Exactly. Yeah. All right, we're coming up on the 60-minute mark. We still have to talk about Virginia Tech men's basketball. So I do want to quickly – you mentioned a couple of names, Chris, and, well, I do want to run through – since the last podcast we did in late June, there have been a number of commits. So I'm going to give you a name, give me the 30-second um, overview of what mm-hmm. you think of these players. And let's start with Kyrie Moyston, a three-star defensive end from Kings Fork High School in Suffolk, Virginia, 6'4", 220 pound. What do you like about Kyrie Moyston? I like his overall athleticism and his frame. Um, it's important 
the fans have to be patient with him, and he has to be patient because he's got to get a lot bigger. Um, his first two years on campus at Virginia Tech, the most important thing for him will be the Student Athlete Performance Center and the weight room. That'll be more important than actual football practice for him. He's got to get himself big enough, but you know, if he can get up there in the 240-pound range, he's got a chance to be effective. You know, I, I talk to Chris all the time about Stephen Friday. Stephen Friday came out of Phoebus years ago, mid two thousands, had a had a good frame and, and good potential. And Stephen Friday stayed all five years, mm-hmm. redshirted, didn't play, didn't play, started to play, and finally started as a redshirt senior. Right. You know, and these days guys don't give themselves the chance to develop at one school yeah. that that way. So. Moiston can be a guy like Stephen Friday. Yeah. He's just got to stick it out, and everybody's got to have patience, himself included. Moiston picked Virginia Tech over uh, offers from Arizona, Indiana, Michigan State, and Pitt. And as you mentioned, he's an ideal candidate for Justin Hamilton's scheme. And an ideal red all... shirt candidate, buddy. <laughs> it took us over I'll tell you what, close to an hour. This is, that's amazing. We're only at six and, and minutes. All, that's a new to record. That, that list of programs, I don't know about Arizona, but the others are developmental programs. Indiana's yeah. going to keep Pitt mm-hmm. develops, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a prospect that's intriguing, Tucker Holloway. You mentioned him a little bit earlier, a three-star receiver who went to Rabin Gap High School in Georgia, but he's from Andrews, North Carolina. Right. A six foot two hundred seventy eight pound three-star receiver. Um what do you like about Tucker Holloway? Ah, man, he's he's tall and he's got good speed. He's 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 run, he's won a couple of state track championships in North Carolina. Uh, kind of off the beaten path, Southwest. What does he North run Carolina. the hundred? I don't know. I think his actual jump was uh, his actual championships were like in triple jump or man. Or so the dude's like. an athlete. He's a really good athlete. Uh, really good explosive straight ahead athlete. You know, he's down there for off the beaten path. Like I said, like. Close to Tennessee, close to Georgia, you know, in the wilderness, basically. I think he's a guy who would be more well-known had he been in Charlotte or Greensboro or Raleigh or a place like that. And like I said, he only moved to wide receiver this past season, so he had been never been seen in any camps as a wide receiver until this summer. So his ranking is about to, to go up quite a bit. Red shirt. Red shirt, yes. All right, we have a, another commit uh, for Virginia Tech. Let's talk about Rashad Purnell, mm-hmm. three-star defensive tackle from Highland Springs High School. He's from Highland Springs, Virginia, six foot four, two hundred fifty-pound defensive tackle. Plays for Lauren Johnson, the former great Hokies defensive back, one of the best programs in the state of Virginia. As someone who grew up in Richmond, I mean, you know Highland Springs is the best of the best. So I'm pretty fired up about this. You one. had me at Highland Springs. <laughs> I don't he's, care about the rest. He's arguably like the best pure football player of this class for Virginia Tech so huh. far. But uh I actually there's a I know a, a retired coach from the seven five seven who's a legend in the state of Virginia and he hit me up last week and said, yo, Rashad Purnell is a really, really good football player. Really? Yeah. Cool. Um six four two eighty is that what no, you're no, no 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 two fifty and let me give brings me my next point. Is he a defensive end or is he a defensive tackle? I based on his pure football ability, I would put him like a three point five or a four star on T- on, on TSL. But like I don't know like, is he going to get big enough to play defensive tackle? And if he does, will he maintain his athleticism? Right. Or is he going to stay small enough and play defensive end? I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad to get him in the program because I know we're going to he'll get the most out of himself because of the program he comes from in, in high school. And so that, that that's a that's a really good local pickup for Tech. So I'm not saying Highland Springs is like this, but it, it reminds me of when Jim Cavanaugh talked about Verina. I remember hmm, that's a great rivalry, Highland Springs Verina. Well, in, in the in the late '90s, I, I remember going to see here to hear Cavanaugh speak at one of these recruiting events, 
and and I can't remember who the coach was at Verona was at the time. And uh, Kevin, I'll just say when you get a kid from Verona, you know what you're getting. You're Jonathan getting Lewis, Kevin Lewis, tough all physical those guys. kid. Yeah. yeah, you think Highland Springs? I mean, they've been able to. So that that, that that was Macho Harris versus Jonathan Lewis and all that back yeah. in the day in Richmond. Yeah, yeah. it was good stuff. And Verona's still really good. I mean, that's a rivalry. The end of the are they? Oh my gosh, Verona Highland Springs. That's a, that's a fun one every year. Somebody in the chat, who was the legendary coach for Verona in the late '90s, early 2000s? Tell me. Um, okay, real quick, I do want to mention he is ranked, David, what did you say, 16th? 16th in the state of Virginia, um, Rashad Purnell. So that's a, that's a really good pickup there uh, for Virginia Tech. All right, the next uh, football player, let's talk about Xavier Chaplin. Uh, I know someone very oh, excited about this guy. Yeah. Six foot six, 370-pound offensive line. He is from Seabrook, South Carolina, and uh, he went to a camp in early June, got a uh, offer from Tech on June 9th, and then committed a month later. He's listed at 370, 380, whatever. He put on 30 or 40 pounds of COVID weight is what it looks like to me because you watch his film from last year, and he's 330 or 340, and he's kind of a lean 330 or 340, but he's, he's a big body dude and dominant player, finishes blocks, uh, looks like a good athlete. I expect he'll play guard at Tech. Uh, looks like he moves well at 330 to 340. So if they can get him back to that weight, I mean, th- this is going to cha- this has got a chance to be a, a very good pickup. For I, tech. I got 50 bucks. It says the tech coaching staff is telling him not to go to camps. No, don't go to camps. Don't go to camps. They don't well, want anybody else well, seeing. Well, him. right now there are no camps in July. That was all in in June. So you you camped in June this summer. Everybody's taking July off. And then everybody starts practice in August. Yeah, so the so. reason I say that is I wonder if Tech's going to have to fight other schools off. You, yes. you know, the first signing day is only five months away. Uh, I mean, I know George has looked at him really hard. Uh. And there's some rumors that Georgia has told him, if we miss out on this guy at the, this position, you're our next guy. Uh. Uh, South Carolina should offer him, in my opinion. Uh, he's an in-state guy, uh, but I hope they don't. Well, I hope they do, and he stays with Tech because that'll improve his ranking and Tech's yeah, average, right, average right. recruit ranking will go up, and more people will be happy and blah blah blah. You know, it, you, won't, it won't make a difference on whether he's a good football player or not, but the perception would be nice. You also say that it's expected the Hokies will face quality competition for a signature yes. between now and signing day to end his um, his recap on TechSideline.com. By the way, every player mentioned. You can go to techsideline.com. It's still on the homepage if you scroll down. Every commit, uh, Chris has an article up with the huddle of every one of the players attached to the end of the articles. And just like that, that is 60 minutes of pure Virginia Tech football recruiting talk. And we still have a little bit of recruiting to talk on the basketball side. So, by the way, for something to do later this week, I'll I'll put these numbers that we have here in a TSL Pass article. Because I know it was kind of hard to keep up with watching or listening and everything. Yeah, like that. it's. Uh, we, we, we need to get to the point where, like, when we're talking about this, a graphic goes up to the graphics. screen for, for for people watching and everything. Like so that. that that's a challenge to Bill Roth's sports media and analytics program is send some kids over who are good at, at live production and can throw graphics up, up there while we're talking. Because Malcolm would be retired from us at some point. That's right. Yeah, Malcolm's I'll, coasting. He's not improving his game at all because this <laughs> this isn't his thing. <laughs> Malcolm has a full-time job now. <laughs> the best podcast producer in the land. All right, let's step aside for a break. But when we come back, we still have to talk about 
Virginia Tech, men's basketball, Tyrese Radford into the transfer portal. What does that mean for the Hokies men's basketball program moving forward? Mike Young, contract extension, as well as many other Tech coaches. We'll talk about that. And we'll wrap things up talking about Virginia Tech uh, finishing 32nd in the Director's Cup, which is a big deal, plus your questions at the end of the show. We're back in just a couple of minutes. You're watching and listening to Episode 183 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Welcome back into episode 183 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Great to have you with us as we record on Monday morning, July 12th. Evan Hughes back alongside of Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, David Cunningham behind the scenes, as well as the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. We're, we're nearing the end of the podcast. So if you have a question for Will or Chris, be sure to go ahead and get it in the YouTube chat now. If you're watching live, we'll get to those at the end. And by the way, over 100 people watching live. It's been a long time since we've had that number. So a special thanks to everybody that's, watching. That's darn good for like the middle of July when there's no sports being played, no college sports being played. Yeah, so uh, a shout-out to everybody watching right now. And the great if you have already a question in there, again, we'll get to those in just a little bit. Let's go ahead and transition from talking about Virginia Tech football talking Virginia Tech basketball, and this was news that circulated about two weeks ago, but it's still news today, and that is Virginia Tech guard slash forward wing player Tyrese Radford entering the transfer portal. Uh, Radford, who has been a, a big part of this Virginia Tech program the last couple of years, the redshirt sophomore started 47 of 50 career games at Tech, who's averaged 10 and 6 points, one of the best players into the transfer portal. So, Chris, let me start with you. How surprised were you when you heard that he was entering the portal, and what does this mean for Virginia Tech moving forward? I was surprised. Um, you know, I, it's significant that I think that he put his name in there like the last day of June, which was the last day you can enter, name, enter your name in the portal and, and play this coming year without sitting out a year. You know, uh, it, it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave. You know, he's been quiet about it. Like, he never even announced anything Twitter on Twitter himself. You know, it was just picked up on through sources and everything. It's not a foregone conclusion that he's leaving. Um, I actually think there's a decent chance he'll come back. If he does leave, it means Virginia Tech loses their best, best guy who can get his own shot or his own, you know, best driver. Um, his own hustle bucket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the best rebounding Six one guard in the country, the best six, rebounding six one guard, according to the advanced analytical rebounding stats of at least the last twenty years in all of college basketball. That's insane. He is a unicorn. <laughs> yes, no, 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 quite the Dennis Rodman of guards. I will say, yeah. in, in in terms of rebounding ability, I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, fa just a fantastic player. Um, that's the negative. Now the positive is, you know, if he's if he's not here, he's replaced in the starting lineup by Hunter Couture, and just like that, every single person in Virginia Tech starting five can make a three pointer consistently. Like they're all a threat from out there. Like because Storm Murphy comes in, replaces Wabisa Beatty. You've still got Naheem Aline. Now Hunter Couture starts. Mutz and Aluma can make them from out there. So your entire Starting five is a complete Mike Young starting five, and, and I would say that the flow of the offense overall is probably slightly better. Maybe a little, maybe yeah. a little better, maybe a little more suited to what Mike Young likes and yeah. everything like that. Because 
you know, my, like he's glad he's got him. Don't get me wrong, but Tyrese Radford is not the type of player that Mike Young would have originally targeted as a high school recruit. Yep. <clears throat> Um, so there are positives and negatives, but you know, if he did leave and Couture started there, then that means Couture is going to get all his minutes at the two guard, which would mean you either need Wabi Sabidi to come back, or Sean Padula is gonna have going to have to play maybe more. a little bit before he's ready <laughs> as the back as a backup point guard, maybe. Um, again, talking about Regine Tech men's basketball, Tyrese Radford in the portal, and yeah, you mentioned in your article that Couture most likely to fill Radford's starting position, but then think about the depth too, right? I mean, not a lot of programs can bring a player like Hunter Couture off the bench. You still have depth, but yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, Darius Maddox is starting to play a little bit more, maybe. Like you said, you maybe don't redshirt Padula. I think Beatty's the question mark, right? I mean, does he come back? We still don't know. If Beatty comes back, then you 100% definitely allows Hunter Couture to play all his minutes at the two guard. Um, I, I'm fine with him splitting time between point and the two guard, but if Radford's not on the team, you're not going to have that luxury. You're going to need him at the two the whole time, I think. I'm just thinking about Chris Coleman right now uh, in a joking matter that, you know, we're just talking about his favorite offensive lineman uh, who, who, gosh, what's his name? Nestor. Nestor, his favorite basketball player. Radford, mm-hmm. uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Torres Ace. I was just laughing in my head. I'm sorry. I had to bring I, that I, up. I mean, it's been I, a tough, I, I, tough I, couple of weeks for this guy here. In I, I look teams. forward to a sports-free month of July. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Don't want to so, watch right now. But again, well, it does sound like there is, according to Chris here, what he was just saying, there is a chance he might come back, which would be huge considering that I was listening to Seth Greenberg. I don't know where. I don't know if it was a podcast He's on he was Packer on. And Durham, Packer and Durham. He yeah. thinks that Virginia Tech might be the best team in the ACC. And, he said that his, before, com- and his comments included talking about Tyreek. Reese Radford. Right? Yeah, you're right. Oh, because didn't he make those comments like the morning right before the morning of June 30th, and then Tyrese that afternoon up in the, in the portal. I, I, the so I was told by someone who spoke directly to Mike Young that Mike Young is is optimistic about Virginia Tech's chances to keep Tyrese Radford. Now you know that's exactly the sort of thing Mike Young would say. That's how his brain works. You know. Um, so I, I don't mean to. I don't think you can be a college basketball coach at this level if you're not optimistic by nature. But, you know. Well, we just talked about Seth Greenberg, and I don't know that Seth was really optimistic. By okay, the okay, okay. I don't think you can be like a perennial NCAA tournament coach at this <laughs> level <laughs> because you're gonna you're, you're gonna deal with a lot of speed bumps, and if you react to all of them in a negative way, you well, know yeah, you're gonna make things worse. And our and, media library is jam full oh, of pictures God. of Seth Greenberg doing this. Uh, rubbing his forehead on the sidelines because something <laughs> went wrong. Anyway, the last thing I'll say about Tyrese Radford is he he is he's the biggest junkyard dog on that team. Yeah, nobody else even really comes close. Maybe Justin Mutz, but really, you know, he's got that element. A couple of comments here about men's basketball. Uh, Wayne Kent, irreplaceable, does so much. Uh, he predicts offense will be very fast paced. Thoughts on that? If Radford's not in the I wouldn't say fast pace. No, uh, Virginia Tech. People make fun of UVA, but quite frankly, Virginia Tech had one of the slowest tempo offenses in the entire country this past year. But it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel that way because the ball moved a lot. But uh, you know, tempo was like how many possessions you have. Yeah, basically. Uh, so it, it 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 depends on your definition of fast paced. I guess. I I think when Virginia Tech does have the ball, when all five players are fits for the system and they all know what they're doing within the system then the ball will move rather quickly uh but i don't think i don't, I don't think it's going to be like I, I do think you know there, there will be long possessions 
as Virginia Tech players learn what's a good shot, what's a great shot. Should I Can I pass up this shot with 16 seconds left on the shot clock? Because we'll probably get a better one with eight seconds left on, right. on the shot clock. Uh, per, I'm calling David Cunningham the bear like in college game day when he throw it over to like Chris Felica. Uh, he's telling me a Ken Palm Tech ranked 298th in possession. Or I'm sorry, in tempo. tempo. Yep. Out, out of so. about 350 teams, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, where, where did UVA rank? Yeah, well, that goes without saying. <laughs> Even slower. <laughs> um, a couple other comments. Uh, Drew Scott says you don't redshirt Padula because he currently will start in 2022. That's that's probably accurate, yeah. So you want him to get game time before he takes over. Yeah. Uh, and then VT Roy Gohokis, has Radford been verbal about being unhappy at Tech? No, I don't think he's unhappy at Tech at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there are other factors at play. Uh, let's transition and talk about one of the uh, basketball commits because Mike Young did get one of those. Um on let's see this on july 4th 4th of july mj collins uh committed actually um a couple of weeks ago he's the first commitment for the class of 2022 for mike young he's from rock hill south carolina chose the Hokies over xavier and clemson visited blacksburg in early june and though he did visit clemson later in the month uh clemson did not get him so he's the number four player in the state of south carolina according to 247 sports and ranked 134th nationally in the composite rankings. What do you like about MJ Collins? He's a combo guy who can play both spots. I, I think he would prop most likely slot into the point guard position at, at Virginia Tech. Uh, is he six two or six four? What is he? Clo- closer to six two than six four, I think. Um, but uh, maybe with some longer arms. Okay. Uh, I, I think he'd probably be a point guard at Tech. Um, you, you don't necessarily need like a true point at Virginia Tech to run Mike Young's system, but uh, you know, well, I mean, what you would expect from anybody who plays the one, two, or three positions at, at, at Virginia Tech for Mike Young is that they're at least a solid shooter from the outside, and and that's yeah. what he is. All right. Um, a note on the non-conference schedule. We talked about it in the last podcast we had, Chris. You wrote an article about how. The non-conference schedule continues to get more and more interesting this coming year for Virginia Tech men's basketball as the Hokies and Dayton announced a home-and-home series beginning this year. Hokies will go to Dayton. So, uh, as you wrote in your article here, um, I believe this was this was Chris, quote, here's a good look at what Tech's current non-conference schedule looks like. Thanks to David Cunningham for compiling all this info. This is why we pay him the big bucks. Um, this is what the non-conference looks like, Will. Maine, Navy, Radford. Iowa State, Memphis, Xavier, Maryland, Dayton, and St. Bonaventure. And the key is nice. that they right now only have two home games scheduled. Yeah, three of those games are on the road. Right. So, so neutral mm-hmm. side games and road games. Right. So how many ACC games we play in? 20. 20. So that's 10 ACC home games plus just a couple of out-of-conference the, home games. I would expect that – I think that they're going to have room on their schedule for two to three more opponents. Yep. So I would that's expect – a cup, two or three. I expect those to be home games most likely. Look, they've got plenty of quality on that schedule. They're going to have plenty of opportunities for quality wins. You play – right now you're scheduled to play five top 100 teams from a year ago on your non-conference schedule. you got 20 ACC teams, ACC games. So you got plenty of opportunities for quality wins. Now you got to make sure you got enough overall wins, right? Yeah, because so. think about this. Bonaventure, Dayton, Maryland, Xavier, Memphis, Iowa State, those are all – Iowa NCAA State, tournament teams. Not so much Iowa State anymore. I was. I thought Iowa State was pretty good in the big. Oh, game. they were until this past year when they went zero and eighteen in their Dude, conference. Oh, did they? Oh, really? they, they won. They um, won two games all year. They were two and twenty-two. 
Steve Prom, who everybody, who a lot of people used to want to be Tech's head coach, not not so good. Just went two and twenty-two. <laughs> and 0 and I, say, I don't know if people can hear David because we don't have a mic, but well, two we and zero uh, and eighteen. It was so. And, um, so, anyways, that is also on um, TechSideline.com. A look at the non-conference schedule and more notes um, about it, including the preseason NIT tip-off in New York. Uh, let's transition, and we talked about this on the last podcast because John Rothstein had reported it, but Virginia Tech announced last week uh, contract extensions for six head coaches at Virginia Tech. The headliner, Mike Young, extended through March fifteenth, 2027. So he is going to be here for the long haul. John Sheff of baseball extended through 2027. Dave Cinelli, track and field cross country through 2024. Carol Robertson, who's done a fantastic job leading the women's golf program, extended through 2027. And then both tennis coaches, uh, Jim Thompson, extended through 2026. And Terry Ann Zawacki Holdren extended through 2023 of women's tennis. So Mm. we talked about Mike Young just briefly. Any other thoughts since the last podcast we had about him getting extended through 2027? No, not, not really. But I will say, you know, Wit is quick to hand out extensions to successful to coaches that have success, and I think that he's gotten some flack for doing that for Fuente. But you know, at the time, Fuente was drawing heavy interest from LSU, Arkansas, and a bunch of programs like that. So, if we had lost him, then people would have been like, "Why didn't you give him an extension? And, and why'd, why'd you lose him?" Right? So, um, I think it's important if you're tech and. You know, there's a certain number of schools that can that tech can match from a salary perspective, but there's also a certain number of schools that we're flat out never going to be out be able to outbid for a coach, right? Right. So if so, Mike Young's not going anywhere, but because he's this is where he wants to be, but let, let, let's use it. Let's just use him as an example anyway. Um, if North Carolina had decided, oh, we we want Mike Young to be our next basketball coach, how much money could North Carolina pay him? Whatever with their, it takes. Whatever it wanted. It's North Carolina basketball. right? They could have paid him whatever they wanted. Tech could never be able to match something like that. Uh, so I think it's important as part of the culture at Tech to show successful coaches that you're appreciative and that Tech is, is willing to reward with them with, if not as much money as some other schools can, but just – Whatever we're able to show them some form of some form of appreciation, I, I think that makes it working at Tech more attractive, um, gives us a better opportunity to retain coaches. Um, you know, every now and then it could bite you if you extend somebody and then you know things don't work. Then they out. tank, right? Right. But uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's the right way to go. Will John Chef uh, getting a contract extension? Of course, the Hokies uh, finished with a winning record this year. Uh, started off super hot, and it feels like they're knocking on the door, getting back to that NCAA tournament uh, or regional for the first time since 2013. Uh, your thoughts on Coach Chef getting extended through 2027? Yeah, that's that's a that's a six year extension, and um, I'm betting they started working on it when Tech was uh, 19 and nine and, and number one in the Coastal in the ACC. And, and I looked at a screen cap I made on April 30th where Tech was at the top of the Coastal and UVA was at the bottom. And UVA wound up going to – went all the way to College World Omaha. Series, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, it, it looked – things were trending in an upward manner, and then they just – man, they flatlined the, the the last half of the season or so. I had too many freshmen. Yeah. You know, so we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, six years is a long time. Um, 
There's not a whole lot more I can add to that. I, I think he had reached the point where, you know, from a recruiting perspective, you either had to extend his contract or fire him. But his – uh, so I, I would have gone through maybe 2025. Like, if you, if you look at some of these other extensions, Dave Cinelli, one of the most successful coaches in the history of Virginia Tech Athletics, 2024. Um, let's see. Uh, it's interesting. Somebody asked me, what about Terry Anzawacki Holdren? Because women's tennis was, was pretty good in 2015. And, you know, I, I don't follow it. This is what the person said to me. Hasn't done a whole lot since then. But that was an extension through 2023. It's not like it's way out there. Yeah. And our, I don't really our, have a, our tennis programs don't have the facilities to expect them to. Yeah, yeah that's so, that's the thing. So, so there, there's, there's no reason to, like, start – firing and buying out tennis coaches at Virginia Tech when there's no chance for the next person that is going to do better because just because of the facility situation. So so the one facility enhancement that's happened lately, which will help, it helps all programs, is the Student Athlete Performance Center. So, But Chris is right as far as the actual playing and training facility. It's, uh, you know, they've been talking about doing something for years and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, they've been talking about it, but I think from their fundraising recently has taken – Certain other sports is taking priority. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about uh, Coach Young, Coach Chef. You mentioned Dave Chinelli getting extended. How about Carol Robertson, real quick? Let's talk about Virginia Tech women's golf. Uh, a season for the ages, um, making the first NCAA championship appearance this past year. Hokies reached a program best number 14 in the country and earned the number four seed in the Stanford Regional. Um, I just feel like the women's golf program is just trending in the right direction. That seems like a great extension. The first and She's only right. head coach in women's golf history at Virginia yeah. Tech. So, so that's that's a that's a pretty good trajectory. How many teams go to the NCAA championships? Is it probably eight or twelve or sixteen? I don't know. That I is a great a question. Uh, as big a golfer as I am, I should know that. <laughs> but um, let me look that up real quick. You know, it, it got it got us Directors Cup points. So have David look it up. Good. He's sitting right there. And then how about quickly, Jim Thompson, longest tenured coach at Virginia Tech, 15 NCAA tournaments since his start in 1998, 12 in the last 14 seasons. He gets a contract extension through 2026. Correct. Yep. Keep that guy as long as he wants to stay. His son is a big uh, player, but I don't know if you guys saw that he committed last year. I believe he was a five-star. He's a freshman wow, now, wow. his son. So Frank Thompson, number one player in the state of Virginia. And nice. top 10 in the country, according to David Cunningham. There you go. So, uh, again, that's Terry Anzowacki, Holdren, Jim Thompson, Kale Robertson, Dave Cinelli, John Sheff, and Mike Young all getting contract extensions. Um, and quickly, I do want to mention David Cunningham's first article that he wrote last week. Hokies finishing uh, 32nd in this past year's Director's Cup, which is uh, the second highest finish in school history. So, well, when you think about all the success of Virginia Tech programs this year, I mean, what does that tell you about where the Hokies finished this year in the uh, Directors Cup? Uh, Wit, I just, I think you know, Jim Weaver was a football guy and a facilities guy, and Wit is a an overall sports program guy and a student athlete experience guy. He used that phrase like in 2014 at his first press conference, so that's where he. Uh, that's where he puts his focus, and, and for all we know, that's what the Board of Visitors and the leadership of Virginia Tech told him to put his focus, um, to, to bring Virginia Tech more in line with the kind of performance overall that you, you expect from an ACC school. Um, so uh, certainly he has satisfied that mandate. We're, we're talking about a school that in the A-10 days used to finish over number 100. Oh, yeah. 
And, and, and that was with the relatively weak competition in the A-10. I mean, Tech didn't even have fully funded scholarships for Olympic yeah. sports back then. Yeah. That, so, that didn't happen until Tech joined the ACC. Right. So we're talking just 20 years here. Everybody else that Tech's competing with has had a 50 to 75 to 100-year head start. Right. On, on fully solid. funding all sports and, yeah. and everything. Yeah. And the two sports that uh, finished highest in the national ranking, softball and men's soccer, both number nine. Okay. And both brought in 64 points individually. Um, and then How the about Hokie, Pereira starting every game he's available for for Austin? Austin Football Club. He was the number one pick out of the soccer program in the MLS draft. Yep. So there's been some serious talent in there. Absolutely. Time. And then Tech finished uh, seventh in the ACC. So 32nd overall was best for 7th in the ACC. NC State, Duke, Florida State, Notre Dame, Virginia, and North Carolina all ahead of the Hokies. I think there are certain years where Tech will probably finish slightly higher than that and certain years where they'll finish well, they slightly did, lower than that. Didn't even go to a bowl game this year. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So. Right. In my research, if you go to a bowl game, you get points. Right. Yep. Yes. And yes. So get points for going to a bowl the game. first time literally I mean, uh, since – 92. Yep. Since the thing was created. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Chip chiming in, by the way, about golf. Five teams from each of the six regions that qualify for golf championships. So 30 teams. 30, okay. There right. we go. All right, uh, we're nearly at the hour and a half mark, and the comments have been blowing up today. By the way, I mean, 117 people watching now. We have 39 people who have given us a like. So if you're watching right now, nice. live or archive, please like and subscribe and comment. So uh, let's get to some questions here on uh, episode 183 of the Tech Sideline podcast. And I'll, I'll start with this one because it's been asked twice in the chat. We're just talking about contract extensions for coaches. A um, couple of questions about Hokie softball coach Pete DeMore was not one of those coaches who received a contract extension. Two full seasons as the head coach. He just wrapped up his third year. Regional final, super regional. Uh, your thoughts on, on Pete DeMore? And the job he's done, and if he could be a coach down the line, who could be getting an extension? Uh, he's done a fantastic job, A-plus job. I don't know how you could rate it any any lower <laughs> than that. Um, and, yeah, I was a little bit surprised when his name wasn't on that list. And I, 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 and I, I have no idea why it wasn't, so I'm not going to speculate. But uh, and maybe, maybe an announcement for him is coming later. Oh. Maybe there just hasn't been enough time since the end of softball season to, to finish a negotiation like that. My, my guess is it's in the works. Uh, because because if he signed a five year contract, then he's got two years left on that contract, right? Right, right. Yeah. So extension is neat. Now he's recruiting just fine without the extension, but uh, yeah. my guess is they're working on it. Um, here's a question from Ryan: What will Ramon Brown's impact be on Tech's future backfield? Well, I think he's a guy who's going to be physically capable of playing right away. He will not need to redshirt. And, <laughs> and he probably shouldn't redshirt unless he just mentally can't pick, pick it up. Words early. that aren't often said uh, out of Chris Coleman's mouth. are not often said. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think if, if he stays healthy and he can mentally pick up the system when he gets here, then I, I could see him being in the rotation as early as next season, 2022 season. Especially if he comes in, if he if he decides to leave early and enroll in January. Yeah, I, I haven't heard any talk about that yeah. either way. Yeah, that's yeah. not part of the discussion right. right now. Question from Justin Thomas. Do you believe players will focus more on how the school can promote their NIL, or will facilities, glitz and gold, still be more a dominant factor in recruiting? I, th- I think we're going to need uh, two, two or three years of data. But I mean, I think everybody that recruits themselves are still feeling that out. Like... 
you, you all, all anybody's doing right now is guessing. Uh, we know if you're the starting quarterback at Miami, you can make a pretty good chunk of change, but that's about all we know right now. Um, so I, I think once two or three years of data get accumulated and then you can present it to recruits and say, here's how much players are making at each school, and here's where – you know, maybe at some schools, you know, obviously Miami has a contract with some MMA training training facility down there. Yeah, Google it if you haven't yeah, heard about yeah. it. Uh, but that's not going to happen at most schools, in my opinion. That don't that won't even happen at like Alabama and Ohio State. And quite frankly, even if it did, I don't think it's going to make a big impact because those are those schools already have the best players. Can, <laughs> can they possibly recruit any better than they do now? That's a good point. No, they can't. So. Uh, I, I don't know. Like I said, uh, I, th- I think all of that stuff is going to be important. Uh, quite frankly, I'm sure players would rather. I'm sure players would rather have the money themselves than have a nice locker room with a lazy, lazy boy and a TV. That's a good point. Uh, honestly, uh, but I, I do think it. I do think it's. It wasn't. I'm glad Virginia Tech. They didn't wait even longer before before uh building their new facilities because there could come a time when you know in my opinion at some point college i don't know when whether it'll be five years or 20 years but at some point in my opinion college players will be paid a salary if if these con- tv contracts continue to rise and mm. i mean i think it will happen at some point and at that point money that would otherwise go to facilities and things like that will be diverted to the players so, which is how it works in the NFL. It's not like they have super glitzy facilities. Oh yeah, college programs have better facilities than NFL teams. Yeah. So, I, I, I'm glad Virginia Tech get the facilities built now while you have the money to do it because you might you might be spending that money on something else ten years from now. Yeah. yeah. A lot of comments the rest of the way here. Um, Brian Woodward only can judge a recruiting class after they are all done, much like a draft class. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive lineman from South Carolina. He, all right, he's and I want to point this out. Like, so Virginia Tech's 2020 recruiting class, 17th in the country, dead last in the ACC. The very, very early look at that class is it's going to be a lot better than that. Like Dorian Strong's a member of that class. Dorian Strong drug that ranking down. Yeah, he was right. A, he, he was nobody a wanted that there, guy. Right? right, and and he's our <laughs> best defensive back already. Parker Clements was in that class, and he might start as a true freshman this year. And apparently, is really, really good. So there are some guys in this class that we're going to look back on it and say we got more than the rankings would indicate that we would get. the The, the key to success for this coaching staff you you can yammer about recruiting all you want to, keeping the players in the program and developing Correct. them. This is, has to be a for player three, four, program. or five. It, you know, yeah, I mean, look. I, I want to add as many Ramon Browns as possible, but the fact of the matter is at most you're probably only going to add four or five of those guys a year. And the majority, and this goes for most schools, the majority of your class is going to be three-star recruits, and it's going to come down to evaluation and player development. And that's the same thing for every school. Like we're not going to, Virginia Tech isn't going to catch Clemson by out-recruiting Clemson. We have to do it by Developing players, uh, and Justin Fuentes alluded to that, right? He yeah. wants to be the t- what? What do you say in that press? The, conference? He wants to be the top de- development de- program in the country. Correct. Yep. I mean, he, D- Doug Nestor is great for your historical recruiting rankings. He's not doing a damn thing for Virginia Tech now, won't ever. Right. Because he's not in the program. Right. Uh, Nathan Proctor, 
really brought up Virginia Tech's rankings, and, and now he's playing for Duquesne. Did right? I just cuss? I just cussed. Didn't yeah, I? you did. Well, yeah, you, mom, didn't, you didn't use a real bad word. My mom so was looking fun. down and is upset with me. <laughs> uh, Wayne Kent, uh, Xavier Chaplin, who is 6'6", 370, not ranked until we recruited, then high three stars. I, I think what, what, you're, what you're seeing is, uh, look, I mean, there are, there are 3,000 players a year or thereabouts at least probably, I don't know, in the 247 database. And I don't care how big your staff is at 247. How can you actually get it? When some teams didn't even play a season this past year and there are no camps over the spring and there aren't any no camps last year or in the spring, you can't hope to rank all those guys or even get a halfway decent analysis of those guys. So I think what 247 is basically doing is waiting until guys get their first Power 5 offer and then they take a look at them. So you've seen that with him. You've seen it with uh, Malcolm Jones, the uh, the commit, commit from Georgia, and also the tight end slash wide receiver from down there that Tech picked up. Those guys were unranked, and then they committed, and now they get rankings. And at first everybody was like, why is Tech offering this Malcolm Jones kid? Nobody wants him. And then you actually turn on the film and actually evaluate him, and he's about the biggest hitter I think Tech has added in their secondary in a, in a, in a long time, and he's a high – higher level three-star recruit now yeah, and, so and, and 87 overall which takes virginia tech's average ranking up right but so don't let your initial reaction to a commit these days if, if he doesn't have any offers yet and he's not ranked yet don't let that cloud your judgment judgment give it a little while and let the ranking system catch up because this is what we've been talking about for months now on tsl is that everybody's behind in recruiting because there was a whole year of evaluations missed yep um comment from austin don't forget that the individual rankings will still get an update at some point in the season Mm -hmm. so some recruits will likely get that fourth star mid-season that's certainly possible um i I think uh you know xavier simmons is is a guy who i mean he's a four star by two of the three recruiting services so i I have no idea how that doesn't equate to being four star on on the 247 composite but he is a consensus four star recruit um, and you've got, you, DJ isn't DJ Harvey a guy that eventually crept up into yes, four-star status? Yeah, I mean, his yeah. film is dominant, and yeah. you know Alex Wurgy is a guy who could, with a big senior season, could potentially be a four-star guy. And yeah. uh, so, I, I, and Bryson Jennings is a guy who I think should be there already anyway. So, and what what I do like about two four seven is is um, they they do update their rankings pretty frequently, know, pr- pretty frequently, yeah. and. Uh, and that's my biggest gripe with probably the ESPN rankings. I think ESPN does a great job ranking like their top, the top prospects. Like, I think in a lot of ways they're maybe more accurate with their top level rankings than than two four seven. But they only update them once generally, and and they don't focus. They don't they don't spend a lot of time ranking or evaluating well, guys outside. For, for that them, the group. money's not there. If you watch well, the, if you watch their recruiting shows on 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 ESPN, you all they talk about is Alabama, shit. Ohio State. The, 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 the money's not there, and I think they're actually smart enough to realize that once you get past a certain level of recruit, it's a crapshoot and all about evaluations and development yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yep. All right, a couple other uh, comments. Uh, how about uh, Derek Moss here? Uh, VT staff did a great job identifying Holloway as a receiver prospect as they did Payute and then got him committed before they blew up over their senior yeah, year. Yeah. Um, let's see here. A couple other comments. I have Larry D'Agostino, last question, TSL question. Who will be the surprise 2022 recruit? I assume he means football. I, Any, anybody out there you think that can make a splash? 
to me, we've already got our surprise recruit. Like, I was surprised when Xavier Simmons committed. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. Would Bryson Jennings be a surprise? No. No. Uh, I, I think Tech feels good about him right now. And uh, I think things are closer there than the, between Tech and UNC than, like, it was with, like, Gunnar Given or, or will be with Gunnar Givens, I think. Uh, or it was with Ramon Brown. Uh, I think it's pretty close. But I, I do think... I like the momentum Tech is building. Like, they get Purnell from Richmond. They get Ramon Brown from Richmond. Now they're going to add a top five player in the state in Gunnar Givens. And if if you look on Jack Tyler's Twitter profile and you look at his media section, like, all his most recent graphics is, like, the gif of the dominoes falling, which is kind of what recruiting is sometimes. Uh, You build up a little momentum, and that creates more momentum, which creates more momentum. And the kids start noticing because they're all on social media. So all these guys are are committed to Tech now, and they're all going to be in Rashad Jennings' ear. And they're all in-state kids. And it's going to be guys from his own city in Richmond. They're going to be in his ear. He knows it's Bryson Jennings. He just said Rashad. Rashad. Rashad's his uncle. (laughs) That's right. And and his dad is Brian. Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are all the comments and questions. Um, that we have time to get to here on episode 183 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've gone over an hour and a half, but hey, when you're doing podcasts kind of sporadically throughout the summer, there's a lot of information to get through. So appreciate everybody for sticking with us. We stayed over 100 viewers the entire podcast, day, cool. which was awesome for over the summer. So um, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, and I'll wrap it up with this, uh, busy couple of weeks for content, Tech Sideline. So you three will be on the road next week in Charlotte. For a day, yeah. We'll yeah. only be there for the Wednesday stuff. Awesome. And, and again, then the Wednesday night party. <laughs> can't miss that. Uh, I, I guess, actually, I, I don't know who I should be asking this question to. Is this Chris or is this David's question now? What's coming up on, on TechSideline.com? Uh, yeah, it's, it's still my question because there's no sports in, in session right now, right? right? So there's very little free content to manage. So right. uh, so I'm really like the pay content coordinator. So I'm, I'm still organizing the Brandon Patterson stuff in my own writing and everything like that. So, yeah, I think we'll probably – have the final piece of Brandon Patterson's scouting report uh, later today. Are, are we on defensive backs now? I don't remember. There's been so many of them, but I don't remember. Yeah, and, I'm uh, not sure. I'll, I'll compile for one day this week. I'll compile a lot of the numbers that we use today in, in an article. Because I know if you're listening or even if you're watching, we're throwing a bunch of numbers at you, and that can be tough to follow if you don't have it a graphic right right in front of you so i'll I'll run kind of a at some point this week tomorrow wednesday or thursday i'll I'll run like an accompanying piece on on recruiting numbers yeah and you can embed the uh um podcast video in the middle of it that's a good point and get it to start at a certain point where we start talking about this stuff perfect all right see we're just making it up as we go that's what it's like a little production meeting here um all right well that'll just about wrap everything up today uh from positive momentum with virginia tech football recruiting ramon brown to tyrese radford to contract extensions to director's cup to your questions a busy jam-packed show um any closing thoughts gentlemen before we wrap things up oh gosh no, not not really. No. It's uh, we're looking forward to to being in Charlotte next week, and that that's kind of when things get going. It's, and and I think Virginia Tech's going to start an overall media blitz at that point in time as well. I, I think you're going to see Justin Fuente circulating in different areas mediums. and venues yeah. that 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 same week. Yep. So so coverage will start big time for for everybody uh, next week. 
Make sure to follow Tech Sideline on social media. We're at Tech Sideline, our main account. Chris is on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL. Will's on Twitter at Will Stewart TSL. David's on Twitter at The Real D Cunna. Malcolm's on Twitter as well. I forget his Twitter handle, but you can follow Malcolm. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Evan K. Hughes. You can become a te- part of the Tech Sideline family today. $84.99 the annual price, $8.49 the monthly price, and $29.99 is the student price. Great content on our website right now at techsideline.com. All right, that'll wrap things up. Episode 183 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. want to thank everybody for commenting. want to thank David Cunningham for sitting behind the scenes and helping out today. That'll wrap things up for our show. For our managing, no longer our managing editor. Give me your title one more time. Lead analyst and columnist. Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. Our managing editor, David Cunningham. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 183 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Have a great week, Hokies.